because I've never met anybody that gets to 60, retires and goes, oh, look at all these choices I've got. Jeez, I'm upset about that. You know, no one's no one's ever said that to me. I generally say to people, sacrifice or regret, you choose. But it's going to be one of them. You know, f- for me, now I'm going to say this, and this isn't for everybody, um, but if you're doing 40 hours a week, that's just a minimum ticket to the game. Now, I know people will say, oh, it's work-life balance, you need to do this and that and this and whatever else. And look, I'm, I'm not I'm not against that. I think that has its place. Um, but if you're not hungry and you're not consistent, then you're going to find it very difficult to look at what other people have and go, well, I could have had that, but. And that comes back to that sacrifice and regret comment that I made earlier, that you've got a choice. Can't get upset about not having that choice because indirectly that was your choice and i'm not saying you need to work 80 hours a week for the next 40 years but cash flow fixes a lot of problems and cash flow provides a lot of opportunities when it comes to investing and the speed with which you do things driver behind the book strategy 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 not product and we talk about stacking strategies where if you get your foundation like anything right there are then other opportunities that can lead into more growth, more options, more structures, more savings, more tax benefits. But you've got to get the little things right out of the gate. The biggest problem people have, I think, is... So, best piece of advice, um, be happy saying... Welcome to Get Invested, the leading weekly podcast to help you unlock your full potential and enjoy your version of sustainable success that lies at the intersection of your three elves, yourself, your health, and your wealth. I'm your host and guide, Bushy Martin, and each week we go deep, sharing great conversations with proven experts in all walks of life, including the best investors, property experts, analysts, leaders, founders, sports stars, and health gurus, to uncover their secret know-how on where they invest their time, their skills, and their money, and the benefits that this creates to help you find out what it takes to break free from the grind and discover your flavour of freedom, to create your freedom formula. You see, the truth is that everyone invests. Every second of every minute of every day, we're investing our time, our skills, our energy and our money in something. Some of us are investing consciously, some unconsciously, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad and sometimes for no impact. Get Invested will help you start living by design, not by default. I'm going to help you to make it happen, not let it happen. You'll hear the top tips on how you can live with conscious intent so that you can live more, work less, and live your legacy by investing now. You'll enjoy the stories and secrets of high performers who invest for success in every aspect of their lives and discover the top tips on how to get started, how to make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately, to be living your dream, not someone else's. As you engage in each episode, you'll glean the information, inspiration, and implementation that you need to get empowered and get invested in imagining and actioning the life that you've always dreamed about. And Get Invested is proudly part of Property Hub, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. Make sure you subscribe now on your favorite podcast player, to get every episode of Get Invested and Realty Talk, which is Australia's leading and longest running online property show that's full of red hot property investing news and insights. 
direct from all of the industry leaders and influencers. You can also connect with me personally and join the Get Invested community of fellow freedom fighters at bushymartin.com.au or on knowhowproperty.com.au. Now, let's get invested. Hi, Freedom Fighters. What's your ideal lifestyle look like? How much is it going to cost you a year? How long before you want to be in that position? If you do nothing differently, are you actually going to get there? And if there's a gap between how you want to live and how you're currently living, what's your strategy to bridge it? What's your capacity to actually make all that happen? And lastly, but definitely not leastly, what's your relationship with money? Now, these are among the first questions we ask anyone who comes to see us who's interested in investing in property. And they're similar to the key questions that a good financial planner is going to start asking you. But the sad thing is, when we ask these questions, there's generally a very awkward silence and you can almost hear the crickets on the tumbleweed with nine out of ten hard-working Aussies looking at us like we've got two heads or they'll stare off into space and most of them will say something like, gee, Bushy, we've never actually thought about that before. And what the hell's that got to do with property? Well, my answer is always the same. Everything. Because if you're not clear on where you're heading, you're likely to end up anywhere and probably not where you want to be. And you'll only be as good as the last person you spoke to as you chop and change chasing the next best shiny new thing. Or worse still, you'll do nothing because you mistakenly think you've still got plenty of time and you don't have time now because you're just way too busy. So you'll get around to it later. But strangely, later never actually comes. Or even worse again, you may be like the mesmerised sleepwalking Pied Piper rats where you mistakenly think that just paying off your home loan and relying on your employer, employer superannuation contributions is going to maintain your lifestyle after you finish work. The sad reality for most who think like this is that your lifestyle's likely to fall off the cliff into penny-pinching poverty when and if you try and stop work. Because according to some recent ABS stats, over 73% of retirees over the age of 65 are surviving on an average of just 15300 bucks a year, which equates to about $295 a week. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't even cover our grocery bill. So the simple fact is that if you want to avoid this, then you need to get invested to get invested in your knowledge and get invested financially in your future because you, your income and how you manage your money are your greatest resources. And the time to act is now because time will either end up being your biggest enemy or become your greatest friend, depending on whether you embrace it now or ignore it until later. So let me ask you again, what's your strategy? What's your strategy to attain and then maintain your ideal lifestyle and achieve your lifestyle goals? Because all of this revolves around you and your relationship with money. So let me ask you a couple more questions. Where do you learn your money habits? Has money ever stressed you out? Has your relationship with money ever felt like a bit of a love-hate relationship? Are you prepared to change how you manage your money? And most importantly, are you willing to get invested in your knowledge and or seek financial advice in order to enjoy a better relationship with money that will help you achieve your long-term lifestyle goals. The reality is, if you don't have strategies, you haven't thought about it, or your strategies need some fine-tuning or upgrading, then you've landed in exactly the right place at the right time. Because today, we're going to enjoy a deep-dive conversation with Luke Smith, 
who's recently released his great book, Smart Money Strategy, which help you, which helps you to develop strategies and find financial clarity in our world of growing uncertainty and confusion. Luke's affectionately known as the strategy stacker, which I can't wait to get into. Following his 20 years of success as a financial planner, helping countless hardworking Aussies like you to understand and make the most of your financial options. And this has resulted in his weekly show, The Strategy Stacker, Luke Talks Money, on radio station 2CC, Talking Canberra. You can also listen to wherever you hear your podcasts. So today, you're going to learn the truths and foundations about money and how to develop your own strategies. And we're going to shift your thinking, your actions, and your habits so that in years to come, you're not going to be plagued by regret and you won't be catching yourself saying, oh, if only I did this or I wish I'd done that. But instead, you'll be saying, I'm glad I did this and now I can do that. Because today, you're going to start learning and doing things that your future self and your family is going to thank you for. So let's get into it. And welcome, and let's get invested, Luke. Mate, thanks for having me. Mate, uh, really looking forward to diving into this. I had a, had a good read of your book, but uh, before we sort of dive into that, uh, seriously, for those who don't know you, mate, uh, what do you do differently? And m- more importantly, why do you do what you do, Luke? Well, it, it's quite interesting you say that because it's it's one of those occupations that I thought I'll have a go at this 23 years ago, um, joined the industry late 2000 and sort of evolved a career from there. Um, and having grown up in a household where we sat at the dinner table and we had a chat and we spoke about things, telling stories and, and explaining things and, and, and learning as a kid to be able to communicate was one of the greatest things that I think, you know, we were accidentally sort of handed by my parents, um, which I think a lot of younger kids struggle with now because life's so hectic you're dropping off at swimming, you're going to cheerleading, you're eating Subway in the car. And as an employer, I find it's 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 harder and harder to find those kids that have really good banner. They might be academically amazing. Um, so I've, I've found this industry very, very interesting because there was a, a bias there to try and be able to come up with the strategies, which I really liked. Um, and over time, building up a career in the industry has given me the ability to see a raft of different situations and try and come up with ways to help people move forwards. Um, And that's really been the basis of how I've always tried to sort of give the advice is how can we take something that can be a little bit frightening, a little bit daunting, and as you just said, then a little bit time-consuming in a very, very hectic world, break it down into English and then try and help people move forwards and, and hold their hand. You know, we're very much a business where we hold hands. Um, and where a traditional advisor may say, well, here are your investments and you can, you know, come and see me when you like. We're far more engaged in that sense because for me, retirement is really the peace of mind to do the things you want to do when and how you want to do them. And your resource pool might be your trust, your super fund, your rental properties, you know, your ability to work. You know, a lot of people don't consider work a resource, but COVID has taught us that spending a lot of time at home is very difficult and can be very boring. And I've got clients that are 50 and retired and working part-time. I've got clients that are 75 and working part-time because some people actually really love what they do. Um, you know, and, and, and I've seen that in, in my lifetime, you know, I'm very fortunate that my father has done what he has loved probably since he was six or seven. And now at 75 still does 
work in that space on an, a part-time basis. But if you let him do it for free, he'd do it for free. You know, so in a way, it's his own worst enemy. So working with people over that journey has really been a case of, as, as you sort of said, have some direction, have some goals. And, and I, you know, in our book, we, we talk about start with why and come backwards from there. Because if you're rudderless, um, you know, you can turn around and go, oh, I've been meaning to do that since the kids were born. And all of a sudden they're 44 and you're going, how do I get here? I never thought I'd be 60. Um, come and sit down in my office and say something like, so this super thing or this property thing, should I start looking at that? And you, I just wanted to put my head in my hands many years ago. And that was where we, we started the radio show as an education tool just to try and get people comfortable with the acronyms in a very acronym-driven industry and break them down and say, look, salary sacrifice, personal deductible contribution, re-contribution, da-da-da-da-da. It doesn't matter what it is. You just need to put one foot in front of the other and do a little something a little sooner. So, you know, I think the way you've been coming at it on your show is awesome because it makes people realise that, hey, I can do something and this misconception that I need a million bucks to start couldn't be further from the truth. So, you know, I think it's it's going to be an interesting chat today. Yeah, I love it, mate. Uh, well, just to sort of dig a little bit deeper and, and perhaps to get a bit of a reader's digest of, of your journey so far, mate, uh, I'd love for you to, to share with us uh, your own investment journey in terms of where you've invested your time and energy money over the years and how's this led you to where you are and what you're doing today, mate? Yeah, so I finished school and, and uh, I finished year 12. And if, if you'd said to me at the end of year 12, you're probably going to study for the next eight to 10 years, I reckon I'd have slapped you. Um, because coming out of school, school wasn't a thing for me. Um, and my dad always said to me, he goes, listen, just do enough to get a good score because you'll find something you have interest in later and then you may have precluded your ability to actually join that industry or go back and study or do something. So, you know, I finished year 12, got a TER um, and, and then thought, well, I'm really good at chatting to people. We'd spent a fair bit of time travelling around as kids because my father's a soccer coach. And I thought, well, working in a hotel looks quite attractive. Um, and he he took a he took a three-month job um, being a professional soccer coach. He, he moved to Malaysia um, and, and did a three-month stint over there that turned into a, you know, staying in Malaysia for more than a decade. So I actually went over and, um, and worked for the Hyatt chain. Um, came back to Australia and sort of became a bit disillusioned about what real service meant here. Um, and, and again, had attended meetings with my father's advisor, um, who was a very charismatic bloke. And, you know, we left there one day and my dad said, you'd actually be really good at doing this because you, you're good having a chat to people. You're very approachable. You like the finance side. So then I, I invested some time and money and, went back to studying to to get some accreditation and some education in the field. Um, and I joined the industry in 2000 um, as an entry-level person doing administration for an existing advisor at the time. And I was very lucky that I'd taken a job unbeknownst to myself at um, a very, very good place. And the gentleman that I worked for, whilst he was socially a maniac, um, he was a lovely guy and was very, very astute and very, very intelligent. And I use a lot of, you know, the things that I learned from him over the, the four years I was there to this day. 
Um, and that sort of evolved my exposure to the industry. I then ended up getting offered a job and come back to this talking theme. I was on a golf course in South Australia visiting my younger brother um, and a guy offered me a job. We actually ended up, as silly as it sounds, catching up every hole because they were playing in front of us and they weren't great golfers. Not to say I'm Tiger Woods or anything, but, you know, we kept catching them up. So we ended up playing the back nine together. Um, and at the end of it, he said, oh, we need somebody to do this. And at that time, I was in a bit of a technical role, um, writing documents and calculating the numbers and doing that sort of stuff. And he said, well, we really need someone that can do that. Do you want a job? And I sort of said, oh, yeah, look, we're just playing golf. There's probably a few beers involved. I just thought he was being polite. But it turns out he was legit. And I was actually working there, you know, two weeks after that date. So I did a couple of years in Adelaide and then came back uh, to Canberra. And I've been working here ever since. And um, Envision Financial came to life in 2016. And it's just sort of continued that philosophy of people should be able to retire with peace of mind and confidence. And how can we make sure that we don't have that conversation of, oh, I'm coming up to 60 what's this super thing or what's this property thing or my friends have been doing this. So if we can help people, you know, achieve those sorts of objectives and do something, and, and, you know, I say regularly, do a little something a little sooner, you know, which I think is really, you know, aligns with your philosophy of it doesn't have to be massive, but time can be your friend. And I would much rather you do a little something a little sooner then leave it later because I find the outcome of that then results in bigger social changes. You've got to save more money to super your lifestyle changes. You then tend to become disenfranchised with it. Um, and that's not why you're trying to do stuff. So I think what you've been saying, and you know, those leading comments that you made to the show are far more poignant than people realize. Um, because I've never met anybody that gets to 60, retires and goes, oh, look at all these choices I've got. Geez, I'm upset about that. You know, no one's no one's ever said that to me. I generally say to people, sacrifice or regret, you choose. But it's going to be one of them. Now, we can do something about it and just do a little something, or you can leave it till you're 59 and then save like crazy till you're 63 when you actually don't want to go to work and you don't want to cut down your hours and you don't want to be doing overtime. So it's it's about finding that happy medium, and I guess that's, that started the journey, that that has continued to be the journey, and I think yeah, that will be my journey until I throw my hands in the air and go, all right, my work here is done. Um, <laughs> and and hopefully people can learn things from that. And that was that was the driver behind the book, strategy, yeah, strategy, yeah. strategy, not product. <laughs> and we talk about stacking strategies where if you get your foundation like anything right, there are then other opportunities that can lead into more growth, more options, more structures, more savings, more tax benefits. But you've got to get the little things right out of the gate um, and then love and build on them from there over time. No, I love that, mate. And we're going to dive dive into the uh, strategy stacking exercise uh, shortly yeah, so that we sort of unpack that a little bit more. And, and I, I love your comment around uh, you've either got to sacrifice or regret yeah, that, yep. that's a that's a really good way to sum it up. But mate, uh, before we sort of start going down that road a little bit, sort of uh, still focusing on you and your own journey, journey. What, what's what's something unique or interesting about you that you've never shared publicly before? What? Um, my attitude to to doing things is pretty busted, and, and I say that tongue in cheek because I was very fortunate to grow up in an environment where I only ever saw the best. So to put some context around that, my father ran the Institute of Sport for the, the soccer program there for the best part of 20 years. 
um, and some household names that you would have seen in the 06 World Cup, the likes of your Vadukas, your Grellas, your Skokos, your Lucas Neals, all of those household names that everybody cheered for were all athletes that had come through my father's program at the Institute of Sport. So for me, I think the way that you approach things and the environment that you're exposed to has a lot to do with the work ethic and the belief system that you carry forward in your life. I don't believe that you can teach a work ethic. I think you see it and you replicate it to a large extent. And I was very fortunate um, to see that. And for me, I, I use the term I, I'm busted because I saw my father for years and years and years look at football. And if you think about those sort of characteristics, he had some sayings that have made a lot of athletes a lot of money. You know, and he used to say, see the ball, see the goal. Keep the ball moving and keep it out of tackling range. And we laugh in my family. They'll actually probably go on his headstone when he passes. And hopefully he'll pass watching some football and he'll have his clipboard on the couch and everybody will be over the moon about it because that's exactly what he'd want to happen. But I take those philosophies and I try and bring them back to the financial world and, and use that. Keep the ball moving, okay? Keep evolving your decisions. Keep evolving your process. Keep evolving what you're doing. Are you buying properties? Are you buying assets in your own name, joint names, trusts? See the ball, see the goal. Ties into our why conversation. Why am I doing it? Have I got the right perspective? Am I moving forward in a controlled environment? I'm not doing things under duress. Um, and then keep it out of tackling range. Protect it. Secure it. Use the right vehicles. Consider a family trust. Consider a unit trust. Throw something in an SMSF where it's right for you, but protect things as much as you want to save. And that, in, in the planning industry, then loops back into, do I have income protection? You know, I, I often laugh and say, if, if you had an ATM in the lounge room and it spewed out 200,000 bucks of cash, would you insure it? And everyone goes, oh, 100%. And then I look through their personal information and say, well, where's your income protection? Because you're that, you're that ATM spewing out money that we then use for other investment options and things like that. So I look at that time I had as a kid. Now, whilst I couldn't play at that level, um, those, those values and that belief system and that attitude towards how do we move forward in a best practice environment is no different to what we do in, 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 in meetings. How do we do it? We review it. We execute it like any good sporting team whether you like AFL, soccer, rugby, cricket, these people got very good at their chosen occupation by spending hours and hours and hours doing it and then reviewing and measuring their performance and adapting. And I think if people can build that analogy into their lifestyle, it's, it's a way of moving forward with control and power to get the things you want, working with the resources that you have because everybody's journey is a little bit different and you don't have to copy the bloke down the road or the lady at work. But if you can take those those skill sets and build those out and be hungry, um, I, I think it's nothing but positive, you know, outcomes fall from. It. Uh, you, you summed that up really well, and that, that sporting analogy. I've often said that you know, sport is a microism of life, mm -hmm. and, and just you know, that those little pearls that your good father has uh, impressed upon you, where if you if you apply those and those alone, you're going to go a long way in, in that context. But mate, I'd love for you just to pivot a minute and sort of share with us, you know, what. What challenging event in your life uh, so far has brought about your greatest learnings and your best changes, mate? 
Um, the hardest thing I've had to in, in, in sort of endure professionally, um, my business partner. I, I had to separate a business. He had some illness, um, and that turned everything on its head. Um, there was there was some mental health involved, um, and we had to try and sort of move forward and make a decision. And it was somebody that had been a real mentor to me for many, many years, um, and, and that situation became untenable. Um, and it forced me to really sort of change the way I approached what I did, and it also forced me then to say, right, um, let's put our big boy pants on and have a crack. And I, I liken it in a way, if you're drowning in the water and the waves are hitting you in the mouth, it's very hard to see the sand and the sun on the beach in front of you because all you're trying to do is not drown. And that, for me, I lost an entire year of my life um, in 2015 as a result of what went on um, with my interactions with that individual. And I look back now and I think that, in a way, just tipped more more petrol on more flames that I don't think will ever go out. Um, and it tied in with that, that I'm already busted attitude of, you know, f for me, now I'm going to say this and this isn't for everybody, um, but if you're doing 40 hours a week, that's just a minimum ticket to the game. Now, I know people will say, oh, it's work-life balance, you need to do this and that and this and whatever else. And, look, I'm, I'm not I'm not against that. I think that has its place. Um, but if you're not hungry and you're not consistent, then you're going to find it very difficult to look at what other people have and go, well, I could have had that, but... And that comes back to that sacrifice and regret comment that I made earlier, that you've got a choice. And I'm not saying you need to work 80 hours a week for the next 40 years, but cash flow fixes a lot of problems and cash flow provides a lot of opportunities when it comes to investing and the speed with which you do things. Because for, for numerous decades, people have walked in, sat down in my office and they've gone, Luke, we're just average people. We're not extravagant. And I go, oh, okay, I've never heard that before. Um, and we have a bit of a laugh about it because the next line out of their mouth could be, I just need 50 grand a year to live on. Or I just need 400 grand a year to live on. I'm not extravagant. And in your social circle, you may not be. And I think that's what people need to take from that comment. We have a laugh and a joke about it, but you need to do what works for you. I don't think it really matters what the government says a reasonable lifestyle is because i'm yet to meet anybody that's living on that figure um that actually enjoys what they're doing who doesn't say geez i wish i'd done something sooner geez i wish i'd worked harder geez i wish i'd have bought abc because hindsight's amazing but i think if you can get those if you can get those belief systems in place and work hard i'm an advocate of give it everything you've got and if somebody wants an appointment at you know 10 o'clock i'm not against that um, yeah. But again, I, I preface that by saying my work ethic is busted because of that wonderful exposure to the best of the best that I had as a kid. Um, and that just carried over into the industry that I'm in. And my younger brother's the same. Self-employed, extremely successful um, in his chosen field. He could play soccer, good goalkeeper, played for many years full-time. But it doesn't matter whether you're a banker, a bricklayer, a concreter, a nurse, a, whatever you do, if you have that belief system and that that hunger to say, right, I'm going to chase this, um, 
you can you can come out the other side of it with great cash flow and a lot of choice and a lot of peace of mind when it comes to retiring. So I look at that and you know I don't I don't discuss those events. Um, I've definitely never said it in a public forum before, but for me that really to come out of that event and lose twelve months of your life, I just said all right that's it I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tear this up now, um, and I don't think that'll ever stop. Yeah, I love it, mate. Uh, love that. I appreciate you sharing that, uh, Luke. I'd, I'd sort of, uh, and we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper in terms of the people you help. But uh, uh, to sort of set the scene for this, I'd love for you to share. You know, what's your personal relationship with money and investment? What's it look yeah, like? Yeah, so you know, it's interesting you say that because I spent some time in London with George Kinder at the Kinder Institute, um, and he talks a lot about that. About you know, what is your relationship with it? Your view of it? Because I also find that a lot of what people want to do isn't necessarily expensive. Um, but for me, I thought I thought money came from tracksuit pants because when your father's a soccer coach and lives and dies in a tracksuit, I never saw him put a proper suit on. So I just figured, well, you go to work in your, in your, in your tracksuit and if you want lunch money, you shake your pants, you pull the coins out, and that's where, that's where money comes from, right? Because that's what I saw my mum do to get lunch money when we were a kid. So I thought, oh, well, you don't have to get dressed up to go to work. You can go to work in a tracksuit. You know, many years later, you learn that, hang on, that's a, a very isolated occupation. It's very different to the norm. But for me, it was that was where money came from. It came from tracksuit pants um, and, and, and a byproduct of you're in the gym at 6 in the morning and you're finishing training at 7.30 at night, and that's just what you do. So the harder you work, the more money you get, the more choices you can have because that was the only role model that I had. And he worked a million hours looking after these players at the Institute. So I just figured, well... If you go to work at 6.30 in the morning and you come home at 7.30 in the morning, that's normal. And that's where I say I was very fortunate to be exposed to that work ethic and that environment. Now, again, I say there'll be listeners out there that go, well, that's not feasible, I don't have that occupation. That's cool. But I also challenge people to think, well, you're probably spending plenty of time on TikTok and YouTube on your couch scrolling through meaningless information where you could be contracting, subcontracting, um, and, and chasing an extra ten or twenty thousand bucks a year if you are hungry. Um, so again, it's not for everybody. But my relationship with money was always it's a byproduct of your output. Um, and if you need any change, shake your dad's tracksuit pants. <laughs> That's, I love that analogy, mate. I, let, let's jump to the future a minute then. Uh, now, I'd love for you to uh, paint a picture of your ideal lifestyle and and what you're investing into both attain and maintain it. Me personally? Yeah. Yeah, so I've I've got the risk profile of a rhinoceros. <laughs> um, that can be good, that can be bad. Um, and, and I've had good experiences on both sides. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share them if you like. Um, yeah, please. Yeah, okay. So here's an example of, of, of buyer beware, okay? I bought a property on the Gold Coast 13 months ago to wildly doctored photos. Um, and the most inappropriate disclosure of the viability of an asset you've ever seen on the Gold Coast. Um, so I didn't either. have time at when I purchased it to go up and look at it, and had I flown up there, got out of the car, got back in the car and driven home, I would have saved myself hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, so there's a, there's a, there's a not-so-great experience of, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, for me the Gold Coast is, you know, it's the wild, wild west. Um, more so than any other states for a range of legislative reasons. Yeah. Um, and a great example of learning from that is 
Go and look at something. Don't believe what an agent says. Don't believe what you're given. Do your own research and be comfortable buying something in a time frame that's appropriate. Now, I bought that property at the end of a year in the most hectic period of my work schedule and went, oh, it'll be okay. It really wasn't. Um, so that was that was a very expensive learning curve. And you say, well, how can a financial planner do that? Because like listeners would say, I'm busy, I'm flat out, I didn't have time, it'll be okay. No, make the time. If you need a sick day from work, fly somewhere, look at something and do your do your analysis of, of whatever it is you're going to buy. Um, I also own commercial assets. So I've got um, some like-minded mates um, where we've done things in unit trusts. So we go out and buy a floor of a commercial building, put it in a trust and then and do things collectively because I've found in the past that that's a great way of limiting your exposure, gaining access to really good quality assets with a smaller capital commitment. And as long as you've got like-minded people around you, um, I think that's a great way for people to be able to put a toe or even a leg in the water without having to go up to their neck right out of the gates. Um, you know, so if you've got some like-minded mates and you wanted to do something like that, that for me has worked very, very well um, because my mates will either make me a billionaire or make me bankrupt. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see which way that goes. Um, yeah. We had a similar experience with a mountain biking, you know, interest a couple of years ago and it results in a, you know, a separated shoulder, some plates and me realising that I'm not 15 anymore. So, you know, I've, I've got, I've got property I've bought for my kids. So here's another example. I've got two little girls, uh, five and seven, Frank, Frank and Bubu, and I bought them a house as a parent um, with everything that's going on in the world against my better judgment when you look at the numbers. Yeah. Um, I bought them a house with my dad hat on and said, well, there's something I can sit in a trust um, so that I've got an asset that can generate rent. Yep. I've then got an asset in a structure that provides some capital protection and some distribution control over income and capital gain down the road. Yep. But primarily they can get to, to 18 and 20 and go to school and, okay, here's a house. Now, that that ties into my why as a parent, maybe not my why as a financial planner, but it doesn't need to be financial. If your why says this is what makes me feel good and feel safe, then you consider those options and, you know, the security of my kid's future and being frightened as to, well, what could a house cost in 15, 16 years when they get to 18 or 20? If I've got the capacity to put something on the shelf now, pay it off, generate some rent and have it in a structure like a family trust, that's a great vehicle for choice, then, you know, that was something that we considered doing, my wife and I, and, and, and that's what happened. You know, and I'll just continue to do that sort of stuff over time. Also buy shares. I also have, you know, self-managed super fund. So, you know, it, it it doesn't really matter the level of risk you take on as long as you're actively doing something because a lot of these vehicles, they're not risky. And I guess a big misconception I have people come in and say is, oh, you know, super's risky or that's risky or this is Anything in isolation can be risky. But a family trust, a super fund, a self-managed super fund, anything like that is just a vehicle to hold assets. You bring in your risk when you then start saying, am I going to buy Commonwealth Bank shares or am I going to buy a diamond mine in Uganda? Slightly different level of risk, just like saying I'm going to buy a property in this location over that one. 
Yeah. Whilst they're both property assets, they have inherently different levels of risk. And that's where people need to be comfortable with what's my strategy? What's my structure? In other words, what am I going to buy it in? And then what am I actually buying? Because the house, the share, the ETF, the managed fund, the commercial building, they're just the wheels of the car. You need to be able to say, what's my strategy? Why am I buying it? Why am I acquiring this asset and what is it doing for me? And then where am I going to buy it? Do I buy it in joint names? Do I buy it in a family trust? Do I buy it in, you know, my wife's name because she makes 600 grand and I make 50? But then you need to be thinking, well, what about if we sell it? You don't want to then go, oh, well, you get some tax deductions, which, you know, to a large extent you haven't had to get for a decade because you can't negatively gear something at 2%. Yeah. So then you sell it and you've got 100% of the gain in one person's name because you haven't thought about why, you haven't thought with the end in mind and said, well, we'll buy it jointly because the tax benefits of negative gear, well, you know, you could argue good, bad or indifferent. But when I sell it and I've got a massive capital gain, I want to be able to spread it out to as many tax effective locations as possible. So I always say to clients, buy something with the end in mind. And if you get some benefits along the journey, happy days. Yeah. But buying something for a tax deduction, I, I think is, you know, it's 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 dangerous um, because that capital gain side of things really doesn't get considered. They're just worried about the income deduction while you hold it. So, Absolutely, yeah. I, I, sort of, you know, I, I say I'll buy I'll buy just about anything, um, provided that you know there's there's that cash flow there. I'm I'm a big advocate of paid off. Um, I'm not a big advocate of um, you know holding things just for it. I'm a big advocate of interest only um, yeah. with an offset account, especially yeah, for yeah. people with very solid cash flow. Because if you can give as little to the bank as possible and then hammer that offset account and pay it down, as a planner, I always then end up with this confronting conversation with somebody's accountant, but they need a tax deduction. But for me as a planner, when they walk in at 60 and say, can I retire? And I go, oh, there's a $2 million house with a million dollar debt and it's neutrally geared. For me, that doesn't exist. No. We're not getting income out of it, and if we exactly you, you can't you can't live off capital growth, can you? you right. That's you, right. You have need, the cash flow. Yeah. You need that income. That's right. So you yeah. know, for me, I'm I'm a big advocate personally of paid off, paid off, paid off, um, and then and then repeat because that snowball gets very very big and very very quick um, because you pay something down, you've now got your cash flow savings and that rent, and that cash flow savings, and then two properties rent. And that's all a function of people's ability to save. And everybody's in a slightly different boat. But if you're actively doing something, I'd say to people, buy the cheapest thing you can afford to pay off as quickly as possible over buying the forever home and maxing yourself out. Because some of the numbers I'm seeing with new clients coming in at the moment, it is... Ooh. Scary. It is scary, mate. They're putting a, a dirty great noose around their neck and living on baked beans and dog food, but just to, yeah. just to fund the Taj Mahal, and then they've got no horsepower to do anything else. And and that cash flow that you spoke about at the time when you need it, which is when you don't want to work as hard as what you always have, there's no opportunity to create it. Now, I love that, right. mate. Um, uh, you've you've talked about uh, you know why, and you, you've talked about the end in mind. What does the end in mind and your why look like? What, what's your why and what's your end game? Well, it's funny you say that because I, uh, full disclosure, I nearly retired uh, just before COVID. I had somebody approach me and say, look, I'd like to acquire your business. Um, I'd like you to stay on for a couple of years um, and then you can go out to pasture. And for me, that really wasn't the end game. The end game for me was 
if I could sell, receive a capital sum, and then continue working on two or three days a week to look after the clients that I agreed to, in principle, see through to retirement. I said, I'm more than happy to stay on um, and work a couple of days a week and look after X number of clients and you can build whatever you need around it. Um, that that was really my objective and, and is is to this day still something that I'm, I'm you know, working towards achieving at the right time. Um, so that that for me in a perfect world, if you said, oh, listen, Ina, I've agreed with my wife to go to 50 um, and then reassess in saying that my wife also, you know, asked me to buy her a farm and, and you know, anybody that has a farm knows that that is just a bottomless pit of cash flow. Um <laughs> And having I just, not grown up on land, it's it's the the scale is frightens me every day. But you know what? It'll be a lovely asset at the end of it, where my kids can get off an iPad, they can get on their horses, they can crash their motorbikes. Their mum's a nurse; if they break something, she can fix it. Um, and that was really, again, you say, why would I buy an asset? I bought a farm uh, eighteen months, oh, 12, 18 months ago. Yeah, and I've been building it ever since. And my why there wasn't to make money. Sure, yep. from a capital perspective. You've got acreage and you can build homes and, and values go up over time like most property assets. But my why there was really get the kids off an iPad yeah, um, and get the it. kids on a motorbike, get kids on a horse, get them climbing in the dirt. You know, that that was my why. Now, yeah. does that align with, with, with a financial outcome from a capital perspective? Sure. It was yeah. up to my wife. She'd be living there next week. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that will be a work in progress. But again, it came back to my why of well, I can own something that my kids will get benefit from at a very young age and put an iPad down. And and, and that, for me, I thought was more important um, than trying to buy potentially another asset and generate income from it. Um, so if I could work, you know, two or three days a week and look after long-standing clients for many, many years to come and then hand over all of the running side of things, that, for me, would, you know, be an ideal um, spot where we can continue the radio show you know, potentially write another book and and move more down that education space because I think there's a huge, huge void. Um, and I think the banks the banks leaving the financial planning industry was a good thing because people were always frightened to go to a bank for fear of having something stuffed down their throat. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because clients will come in here and we'll get to the end of a meeting and they'll go, okay, so what are we going to use? So I don't know, we didn't didn't get there. You know, we talked about these six or seven strategies, but we actually didn't talk about a product, did we? And you can see them both go, nah. No, we thought you might, but no, we haven't. Yeah. Because I don't I don't have anything to sell people. Yeah. You know, all you can do is provide strategies and information. And again, that that choice for them to invest in themselves, to widen their knowledge um, and, and, and broaden their understanding of opportunities at a younger age, fantastic. You know, yeah, so I'm, you know that's that's all we can try and do. So if I can keep doing that for many years to come, in a reduced capacity, and maybe see my kids, you know, crash their bike. Because the downside of having a busted work ethic is, you know, when your only goal in life is to get home at seven thirty to read books, you don't see a great deal of them. Now, the parents out there will say, "Oh, well, you know, you're, you're abandoning your children." But you know, if you can give them the ability, and I say this to my wife regularly. My sole purpose in life as a father is to be able to say yes when I need to. And if I can do that as a byproduct of what I do to generate an income and fund my family, if I can say yes, then, you know, the kids can't ask for too much more. Brilliant, mate. Absolutely brilliant. And probably a good segue now into 
uh, sort of starting to deep dive in, into the book and the financial planning piece, which is something that uh, you're very passionate about. But before before I do that, uh, and because you've you've talked to a, a lot of people over the years, uh, sort of set the scene for that. What what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make around money? Assumptions. The biggest the biggest problem people have, I think, is their own assumption of what's possible. Um, listening to people outside of the field. Um, and I liken that to, to most industries, you know, you speak to, um, you know, people that have been through a divorce and 99.9% of people will say, oh, well, my wife took everything or he took everything or any side of it. When actual fact, you don't know what's actually gone on in the background. And I think that for me, that assumption of what you can and can't do is people's actual personal limitation they put on themselves through no reason at all because i'll have people come in and say well we were going to do this but we can't put that money into super i was going to buy that but i can't buy that in that structure really why not oh because billy at work said that that doesn't work okay what does billy do billy's a sparky okay cool and if you give me some red blue green wires and a and a, and a spanner you'll know i won't be long for this earth <laughs> right so I don't bother doing any of that stuff. And anyone that knows me, and you can ask my wife, these hands are useless. They really are. You know, I wouldn't make it as a labourer. Um, I'm with you, mate. Yeah. And and I, but that's why I don't I don't tinker with things at home. And I think that's one of the biggest things people struggle with is they have these preconceived idea of what's possible. And when you actually sit down and say, well, you could do that there, or you could put that in here, or you could make a contribution here, and that'll save you that in tax, they go. Oh, and they look at each other and then they go, so we should have been doing this like five or 10 years ago. Yeah. They go, oh, yeah. You know, so I think if you go into something with an open mind and consider things that you may not have even thought about, that that can be a very, very positive and engaging sort of conversation around, well, what is possible as opposed to what is not possible or the assumption that you can't do something because... You don't, as we said at the start, you don't need massive money to start doing things and the benefit of compounding in time can be very beneficial. So I think if if people could get over that hurdle, um, I think they'd be in a much better position going forward. But that, that for me would primarily be that and, and leaving stuff too late, you know, which I think your intro, you know, reiterated a thousand times, which I think is awesome. Do do something sooner. Don't leave it too late because it's it's just too hard and you're too ingrained in your behaviour, and you may have actually missed out on significant opportunities by just not knowing what's possible. Yeah, one hundred percent agree, mate. Uh, mate, that's a it's a great entree into your awesome book, Smart Money Strategy, which I've really enjoyed reading. Uh, uh, just just to expand on that, uh, why did you write it? What are some of the key questions uh, that the book answers? What are some of the key messages, and who's who's best suited to have a read? Yeah, so we wrote the book because. It was really an extension of the radio show. Um, I found that, you know, over the years that we've had the radio show on 2CC, people have come in and the nicest compliment I could ever get after people listen for a little bit like you'd experience is they build a rapport with you and they get to know you and they learn the analogies that you use. Um, And they come in, sit down and say, look, I just get the way you explain stuff. And rightly or wrongly, they, 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 they have an affiliation with you they know the language that you use and i think that for me the the objective there was to break down that fear barrier of actually reaching out to get advice because i appreciate 
firsthand. It's it's a scary topic for some people to talk about. It can be very confronting um, because I'm yet to meet anybody that comes in with a budget that's accurate. Um, but that's a that's a discussion for another show. But that that then sort of led us to say, well, how could we give people strategic confidence to again invest in themselves and further their readings and their basic knowledge? And that's how the book came to life. And it took a couple of years to write. Then we had sort of COVID and that sort of shelved it for a little while. But we wrote it on the premise that there are various strategies for various stages of your life. And depending on where you are along that journey, there are things that you could do and then add to, which brought us to that stacking concept of, okay, so you've got a good budget, great. And you're putting some money into super and you're paying off a little extra into your home. So now you're filling up your offset account. Now, can we use that money in that offset account for a deposit on another property? Could we use that money for a deductible super contribution to lower your tax? And that's where that strategy stacking concept came from. So we wrote it full of strategy and not product um, because there's no product in the book. It's not going to tell you which super fund's the best because on any given day, you could argue any of them are. Yep. The benefit is not what it's in. Yep. It's getting it in whether it's getting it into super, getting it into an investment property, getting it into a commercial premise that you run your business out of through your SMSF, whatever it may be, it's the active choice to be proactive. Um, and that for me was really what we tried to build out in the book of, okay, well, I'm a young couple and we bought our first home, what can we do? To, oh, the kids are now at school and we've got school fees, but we've got better incomes, so we've got more surplus discretionary cash. Where do we put that to? well, I'm a couple of years from retirement now. How can I use pensions to maximise deductions? How can I use transition to retirement? Because I'd really love to do three days, not five. Or hands up, I've had enough. How do I start a pension and then manage my tax in retirement in conjunction with a Centrelink consideration, your rents, your assets and all the other resources that you have at the time? So it's something that people can just keep on the on the, on the coffee table. As my mum said, you keep it in the toilet. You know, and I really like what, what Wiley did in that they, they've put the index through the fanned open section of the book, you know, like your old binders that when you're at yeah. school with the tabs, well, yeah. they've printed the tabs into the, 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 the fanned out part of the book, whenever that part's called. Um, yeah, so you yeah. can jump straight to if the super bit interests you, right, jump to the super bit. You want to jump to the retirement bit, you can jump to that as well. So yeah. there's there's stuff in there for all stages of life and we wanted to write it as something that will evolve because your situation does change and your opportunities do change and the strategies that you can use change. But if yeah. you know about them, then you can really try and do them at the right time. And one of the things that we built out of it was a calendar. So we have an online calendar where each of the strategies can be done at certain times in the year. So we've we've marked it in the calendar. So if you want to hyperlink it into your calendar, 1st of July, super split to my older husband, super split to my older wife, because then I'll get my money sooner. That's one where I say, oh, you know, there's six or seven years age difference. Do you super split? What? Split what? Yeah. Split yeah. the bills? No, split your super. Yeah. What do you mean? Great strategy to get your money sooner. Yeah. If they call it the I married well strategy, everybody would be all over it. You know, but it's one of those, again, assumptions that you can't do it. You actually can, but it's very much a use it or lose it strategy. So, you know, that was that was the backbone of my thinking. Um, and it's written for my mum. Because yeah. my mum's sick of my mum's sick of t- 
testing my analogies, you know, my stories and, you know, hey, mum, if I was going to explain this, just listen to this little story and tell me what you get from it. It's got to the point now where she goes, look, come over, eat my food and go home. I don't want you to be a test pilot for your analogies any longer. I've had enough, you know. So <laughs> Love it, mate. But uh, you, you touch on uh, the five proofs about money. Uh, can you just briefly run us through what they are? Yeah, so if, if I sort of read them off the list, we've got, you know, education doesn't prepare you for your adult life. And really, you know, what we take from that is you learn lots of very useful stuff at school. You also learn loads of useless stuff at school. Um, but what you leave year 12 with actually probably doesn't help you from a financial literacy perspective, which I think is an issue. Your parents probably didn't prepare you for your financial life. Now, depending on what you're exposed to, you could be in the, the, the good or unfortunate bucket here, and that'll just be a byproduct of what mum and dad have done over their working life. So your values, as I said at the start of the show, I was extremely fortunate to grow up in a high-performance environment yep. um, where that was all we knew. So we just put that into everything we did. Um, some some people may not be that fortunate. Um, most people plan for a tax deduction, not a lifestyle. I think that's dangerous. You know, I think... The tax outcome, to a large extent, is a byproduct of your why and a byproduct of the reason that you're acquiring or doing something. Nothing's going to change if you don't change. So you need to learn. You need to listen. And we said before about, you know, these preconceived ideas of what's possible. Go into something with an open mind. I don't go to the doctor and say, hey, listen, Google told me that if I take this pill, it'll make me seven foot six. Just listen to what the person has to say. They're there for a reason. They probably know a little bit more than you do in their chosen field, which, again, is why I don't touch anything that's got electricity connected to it. (laughs) Um, And then the last one there is, you know, to change, you need to equip yourself, and that's, you know, that's really where this book and and other forms of education and learning come in because there's, there's a lot of great channels out there. You can listen. Technology has been a huge beneficiary for you know, a younger generation. You know, when my mum and dad were young, you didn't have YouTube, you didn't have podcasts, you didn't have phones, you didn't have all sorts of stuff. So if you didn't read it in a paper or in a library, you didn't get access to it. Now you've got so many platforms to get great information from. Obviously, vet the source, because some stuff I see on TikTok, you know, makes the hairs on my arms stand up. But again, that's a topic for another show. (laughs) Um, But I think if you, you know, you said at the start to me, you know, what what you invest in, I think if you invest in yourself, your capacity to earn will outstrip the income from just about any asset over the medium to longer term. And I think that's where people generally make a mistake to go out and do a little bit of 40 things rather than committing to two or three solid decisions and then grow your knowledge, spend your time, you know, be hungry, work big hours, save money. You don't need, you know, 60 pairs of shoes. Um, and that's a touchy subject in my house. Um, <laughs> Just ask Emil to mark off. Yeah. Well, it's actually, and this is now full disclosure, it's actually not my wife, it's me. Um, <laughs> you know, as, as an avid collector of, of, of Jordans, um, you know, you get to an age where you want the shoes that mum and dad wouldn't buy you as a kid. That's right. you, know, and, you know, 70 or 80 pairs later, you sort of go, I might have a problem. <laughs> but as a proportion of what? 
And that's really, you know, where you need to get down to things. I'm not against people doing anything from an investment standpoint as a proportion of what? You want a flash car? Cool. As a proportion of what? You want six investment places? That's cool. As a proportion of what? So as long as you do things in moderation and with control and some some thinking around your why, I'm not against people buying specky stuff. I'm not against Bitcoin. I'm not against I'm not against anything in moderation. Um, and I think that's where you know you, you, if you can equip yourself with good information and knowledge and learn, and you know you're going to have good, you're going to have bad. Look at my experience. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Real estate, you know, agents on the Gold Coast. They're not getting Christmas cards from me anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but again, that's 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 this is where you learn, right? So it's very 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 expensive, you know, example. But you could also have seven or eight very you know positive examples of understanding what's happening in COVID, understanding a repricing of market assets, and this is where you know you, you learn and you listen and, and you, you build up a skill set that allow you to make informed decisions on a range of things, and that's where. You know, that last one for me, you know, to change, you need to equip yourself. Yeah. That's 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 the basis of everything. Absolutely spot on. The other thing that I, and that sort of moves us nicely into the five foundational principles that you uh, <laughs> break down in the book. Uh, what are they yeah, so, uh, so that we sort of get ahead around that? Yeah. So, you know, if, if and I've got, a, I've got a list of them here because you can evolve them out. And you can call these just about anything, but this is how we've sort of broken them down. Respect your earnings, you know. It's 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 about your income and your ability to earn and save. As I said earlier, your ability to maximise your cash flow and generate income can fix a lot of problems. It can provide a lot of opportunities. Pay attention to your spending. You know, everyone comes in in my office, as I said earlier, we're not extravagant. Well, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Because the next question they'll hit me with is, can we retire? And I'll flip a coin and go, well, let's see what we're working with. Because your resources need to be able to generate that income um, if you don't want to work. And and understanding your net income position is very important. But also, where's it going? You know, very few people walk in, sit down and go, I'm going to retire in two years and we need 68412 bucks to live. Which, to a large extent, I think is impossible because the cost of living changes, life changes, life happens. But you need to have a general understanding of where your money's going because if you do want to make super contributions, pay off an investment property or buy something else, you need to know where it's going and what you're working with. Um, we then say the cost of money is interest. You know, So if, if you're using it both positively or negatively, it can be your friend or your foe. Number four is be realistic. Um, and this one for me really talks about stay in your lane. Um, what you see people do on TikTok or YouTube or you know at the golf course, may or may not be appropriate or even attainable for you. And you need to consider things like your income, your risk profile, and your age. Because there's there's a lot of people that are a little bit older in the community now that have lived through a time where the exponential change in the value of a property will probably never be replicated again. Yep. And what I mean by that is, you know, you could buy a house for 100,000 bucks in 1992, that now might be worth 1.2, 2.2, 3.3, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's highly unlikely over a 20 or 30 year period that you're going to go and buy a $1.5 million house in a suburb and in two decades it's worth four mil. So you've seen that generational uplift in the value of especially property assets. 
yeah. Um, yeah. that this younger generation can be influenced by and think, well, I can do that too. 99% of people now don't have the ammo to do that. And and that's really why being realistic, and I say stay in your lane, um, because people are coming to my office. I'm, I'm not, yes, I'm here to be your friend, but I'm also here to tell you the truth. Um, a bit like a doctor, you know, you keep lying in the sun, there's a very good chance you'll get melanoma. Yeah. People come in here and I say, well, you keep spending like that and there's a very good chance that you'll work until you're 95. Yeah. You know, so be realistic about what's going on. Um, and the last one for me, which again, as a collector of shoes, <laughs> reward yourself. Um, I think too many people get stuck in, well, I'm going to have this by 60. I'm going to have this by 55. I actually break it down with my clients a lot differently and say, right, what are we saving between January and March? And then let's check it out. And if you hit your goals or you exceed your goals, then do whatever you like doing. You know, buy some shoes, have a weekend out, take your partner out for dinner, go in this, you know, reward yourself for the hard work that you've completed so that you stay engaged. I find people becoming disenfranchised because they weren't realistic to start with, but then they just ground themselves into the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, th there are plenty of fit bodies bouncing around the gym. You wouldn't know that looking at me in this movie, but, you know, I'm definitely not one of those. But they still go out on a Saturday night and have a couple of drinks and maybe eat a pizza. You can't, you can't eat kale chips for three years and hope that you're going to end up lean because nobody likes kale chips that much. <laughs> so I think you need to reward yourself. And, you know, I use that gym analogy because, you know, even, even Dwayne The Rock Johnson has a cheat meal every now and then, and he's in, he's in great shape. Um, and, and your finances are the same. Set a short-term goal, execute it, review it, execute it. You know, I come back to that sporting analogy at the start of the show. That's exactly what good teams do. Whether you like AFL, soccer, cricket, they go out, they play. Then they'll sit down as a team and review the footage and go, well, what happened here? Okay, now we'll train all week on combating something or changing what we do to execute again on the weekend. And your financial journey is exactly the same. It's not set and forget. It's also not look at the share price of something every day. Just buy good quality stuff, repeat it, save some money, set a goal, and if you achieve it, then reward yourself. It can be a massive reward. It could be a little reward. It just depends what keeps you engaged and moving forward with a positive attitude to get a you know a, a positive outcome. Totally, and it, it comes back to a proportion of what. And I like that question. You know, at what proportion? That that's yeah. that, that's the key bit, mate. Uh, you've touched on the strategy stacking exercise a couple of times uh, during the discussion. What are the six main types of strategies that we need to develop, and what are the key elements of each in that strategy stacking approach? If you can, well, uh, I think I think if you're going to come at it, you need to start with why. And, and buy an asset that aligns with why you're doing something. I, I very often have people come in and say, oh, well, I've got these. Oh, really? Why have you got them? Oh, just because. And why have you still got that one? Oh, well, we bought that about 15 years ago and it's just sitting there. Are you getting any income from it? Nah. Has it gone up in value? Nah. So why are we holding it again? And I think people lose sight of, you know, the the outcome of, the why of the asset for your why of why you're doing it, you know. So I think people need to come at that. They need to be able to maintain something with consistency. And what I mean is don't don't set unrealistic goals for yourself because when you're building a stack, you need the foundation of that to be very good. You know, when we're talking about different stages of life, you know, it could be that 
well, I want X amount in my super fund. All right, well, are you saving enough to make contributions to get yourself to a capital level that will allow you to generate an income stream of X? Have I paid down my properties? It's one thing to say I want six, but do you have the cash flow to fill up some offset accounts? You know, so when we talk about stacking strategies, we need a good solid foundation to be able to then build on because like anything, and I'll, I use that gym analogy again, if you walked in the gym on day one and started bench pressing 200 kilos, there's a very good chance that bar's going straight through you or you're going to be in hospital for the next four weeks or walking around like you've had five bags of onions put under your arms. You know, we build up to stuff. Go in, do a little bit, then build on it and have a bit more and build on it and have a bit more. You don't need to race out and have six properties right out of the gates. And these, you know, it's very tempting to see stuff online again that says, oh, you can have 10 properties in 12 months and carry the most amazing amount of frightening debt that a rhinoceros couldn't handle. So when we talk about strategies, they need to evolve with your timing of life and your resources. And that's really where people need to consider, okay, I've got a good budget. I know what I can save. Okay, I've gone and bought a property. Great. What what entity did I buy it in? I bought it in a family trust. Okay, it's neutrally geared. Great. I can get 20,000, 30,000, 40, 50, 60,000 in my offset to pay that down. Yep. Now I've got more positive cash flow coming out from a rental perspective. Now I could use that to make a deductible super contribution to lower my personal tax. Now I'm building super, reducing my tax. So these strategies start to evolve and really take on a life of their own. Now, you could have two or three strategies stacked and that might be enough for you. You might have the resources to have six or seven and that might be great for you too. But it's really about making sure that you're moving forward in a positive, controlled direction. And then again, through your reading and your learning, consider other things that evolve from good behavior. I've paid that down. Now I've got more cash flow. Okay, I've got $50,000 of rent from property A. I could borrow $600,000 of money interest only. I could have 40 or 50 of interest cost. Now that next one's neutrally geared and I can focus my savings into that offset account, into that super fund, into that building for my business. Now I've got premise security for my welding factory yeah. and I've got it in my self-managed super fund. So I've got business continuity. I've got rent. I've got a growing asset in the right structure, but you only end up with those by freeing up cash flow and building on the basic principles and then elaborating out as your situation changes over your working life with the aim of hopefully getting a little bit later in your working career and being able to hammer huge amounts of money into either debt, assets, super, or you know investment properties that can further consolidate your capital position. Yeah. Because yeah. A lot of people don't like touching capital and I've always been a big advocate of income. And yep. if there's a million dollars in the bin and you can pull 50, 40 to 50 out without touching capital, I find that makes people nice and warm and fuzzy when yep. they think about it because their longevity has been protected. And if you sit down and work that out and say, well, if you don't need 50, you need 70. If you took 20,000 out of a million, that's still going to last for a very, very long time. Yeah. where you have a strong income stream. And yeah. that for me, what am I what have I got? What am I getting out of it? And income is always the bias to peace of mind in retirement. Yeah, great. Maybe the, the six main types of strategies that you cover can just very briefly touch on what those six are. Yeah, so we talk about um strategy, 
structure, the underlying premise of your investment, the tax makeup of what it is, and then what's the outcome of that strategy? Is it for capital? Is it for income? Is it short-term? Is it long-term? So if people can build out those types of key sort of concepts, it'll help you align your why with your retirement date, and then it may or may not drive you to be a little bit more hungry and earn a few more dollars and get that promotion to speed up the process along the way. So, you know, again, it's not for everybody. Um, and there'll be listeners out there that go, well, you know, I like going home at 4.37 and, you know, that's great. That works for me. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's why, you know, lions hunt and gazelles run. <laughs> and the gazelle, the gazelle, you know, the, the story famously goes, the gazelle runs just enough to outrun the lion. Yeah, or, or to outrun the gazelle behind it. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to be last. You just got to be second last and then you survive. Yeah, I love but that. Lions, my, I guess my point is lions like chasing things. They're hungry, you know, and, and I liken that to, in a way, your high-income professional, you know, you, you, your pressure-driven individual, your self-employed person that's willing to commit and, and, and go neck deep in something because they believe in it and they're suitably remunerated for it that then fuels other opportunities. The problem is that with kids coming out of school and everybody getting a ribbon, the gazelles look over at what the lions have and go, oh, well, why don't I have that? But they've only run just enough to not get eaten. So, again, it comes back to that, are you hungry or are you not? And what have you been exposed to in relation to your work ethic and your belief system? And what have you done to try and educate yourself to try and explore other opportunities that you may not have realised were just around the corner um, that could potentially provide a significant amount of peace of mind, but also some investment opportunities over your working life. Yeah, and no, I love that, mate. Mate, uh, like a lump of it, unfortunately, for for some reason, uh, financial planning often gets a bit of a, a bad rap. Uh, I'd love for you to sort of explain to us, you know, what distinguishes a really good financial planner from an average one and, and why would a hard-working Aussie couple uh, engage a good financial planner? Well, I, I think like anything, you need to do your research. Um, yeah. And as you, I think you hit the nail on the head, we're in the business of trust and peace of mind. If I'm buying a door handle, I know what I'm going to get. I can go into Bunnings, I can look at 50 different door handles. I know what it is. I know how it works. I know where it's going to go. I probably can't install it, as I said earlier, because I'm hopeless. But I'll get someone in to do that. Trust is very different. Trust you build over time. Um, and I think people could do a lot to try and get an understanding of who you could potentially deal with, get some information about the individual, and do some research around, you know, who are they licensed with? How do they provide advice? What's the basis of, of how they operate? You know, are they there to sell products? Are they there to give advice? You know, in, in, in my practice, we don't have any products. You know, we don't have our own super fund. We don't have our own investment option. We don't have our own Australian equities product, like some larger institutions. Yeah. I think assuming bigger is safer is actually more dangerous because prior to the banks leaving the industry, if you walked into CBA, you ended up with a colonial product. If you walked in a NAB, you ended up with MLC and yeah. so on and so on. So that vertical integration of larger dealer groups can be very dangerous because, like it or not, there's an inherent bias there to use products that are offered by the people that provide your licence. Yeah. Um, for me, it's really about, you know, what's our strategy, what's our structure, and then what do we buy? 
Um, so look at the approved product list of the person that you're talking to. If it's all focused through one or two providers, you know that there probably isn't some transparency there around what else they could use or it's just not their style. Um, I think people should get a handle on the scope of advice that they can get from somebody. Just because you go to a financial advisor doesn't mean they're going to say they're happy recommending listed shares or yeah. commercial property or a self-managed super fund because that's a very specialised area that some advisors just by choice, and it doesn't mean they're good or bad, it just by choice they don't deal in that area. I know we don't deal with aged care. Yeah. I, I made a choice a number of years ago to say, look, that that is a skull-breaking industry um, that if you need to stay on top of them, takes a huge amount of time and focus. And I just chose as a, as a service provider to just not provide advice in that area. So I'll refer that to people that specialise in that space so yeah, that yeah. clients can get what they need. And I think aligning what you need with what somebody's going to offer is, is, is good. But I think people could actually hurt themselves more than they realise by just not finding out. Yeah. And, and I think that's what I'd like people to take from today is yeah, yeah. find out and, and, and again, my I, I said you don't know what you don't know at a lunch in 2011, um, and it's it's stuck like glue ever since. And I think it's very, very relevant in this space and in all facets of life because if you've only ever done something one way, you may assume that that's the only way to do it. And it could be good and it might be appropriate and it might not be. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's the case with all products or, or structures or opportunities that you invest in. There could be other ways to do things, you know, and we've seen the evolution of ETFs, exchange-traded funds, you know. Yeah. It was it was something that wholesale professionals used 20 years ago that your average mum and dad now can go out and open an account with five grand and buy the ASX 300 at a cost of 0.25. Yeah. You know, yeah. 0.15. Like, they are wonderfully cost-effective vehicles that give lovely diversification but if you don't know what an etf is you could be sitting in an old school managed fund getting limited outperformance and yeah. paying one percent for the privilege yeah exactly so again it's that it comes back to that learning and that education piece and and a good advisor will ask the right questions yeah um, and i think that's the case of good lawyers and and good accountants it's not the everyday things that get laid out in front of you it's the ability to sort of lift up a couple of rocks and you know get to the bottom of what's really going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And and well, the yeah. people are using everything that's available to them. Uh, extremely well said, mate. It's it's about being open and asking the questions that there is the mm. piece that uh, people don't do enough of it. Well, I, um, I, I could talk for hours about this and I reckon we'll get you back to dive into some of the specific stuff that we just haven't had a chance to touch on touch on today uh, and, and i'd love to do that because I, I love your analogies and the way you uh, explain things in a, a language that that everyone can understand but i, I want to sort of jump now into what i affectionately call the ambush round which is the or the bushfire lightning round where i give you a uh, blindfold and a cigarette and ask you the the podcast fast four mate uh, kick out kick that off what's your favorite quote and why <laughs> I, I saw this i saw this on i was at, i'm an avid golfer no Pre-kids, I could get it around a little bit. I can still get it around a little bit, just not as well because my kids are five and seven. Um, but I, you don't always get what you wish for, but you always get what you work for. And I saw that in a in a show, uh, one of the golf shows, on the, the wall of Camilla Bajagas' house. 
who was uh, the Colombian golfer. Um, and I thought that, that for me, is, is perfect. Um, if, if you don't want to try and chase things and you're happy with whatever okay is, cool, that's totally fine. And I'm not saying at all today, you know, go out and work 100 hours, get nine jobs and, you know, drive yourself into the ground. But also remember that if you don't practice something, you have no right to get upset. And I, I look at, you know, the exposure I had as a kid in football. You know, all I ever saw was repetition, execute, review, repetition, execute, review. And with good direction and, and good boundaries, people can get far better than they realise. But if you do nothing, then don't get upset that somebody's got a Ferrari. Don't get upset that somebody's retired at 50. Don't get upset that they've got a place in the Maldives because they've committed to doing things that you haven't. So, you know, you don't always get what you wish for, but you always get what you work for. I think that, you know, my kids can say that at five. So... Yeah, I love it. Maybe no, I'm a, not a good parent. I don't know, but we'll <laughs> I reckon that's a cracker, mate. No, that is a that's <laughs> awesome. But I want to switch to the literary field for a minute. And, and apart from your great book, uh, Smart Money Strategy, what's the top book that you'd recommend we read and why? Um, I, I I went soft on this. Um, I think anything that can give you a better understanding of something you have an interest in, because without an interest, you won't stick to it. Um. You do things in your life for your parents. You do things in life for your kids. But I think this is one of those things where if you're going to commit your very precious time to reading something and consuming something that you have an interest in that can help you, I think that's 90% of the battle because we're so time poor now with everything that goes on in the world. I think any book that you have an interest in that can move you forward in a positive sense is is fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. No, nah, no, nah, well said, mate. That's uh, I'll go. I'll go soft on that one, but you know. No, no, no. That's very well said. Totally agree with you there. Uh, and I'm asking this question of the right person. Uh, what's both the worst and the best piece of investment advice that you've ever received? Um, all right. So, best piece of advice: um, be happy saying no, because you can't be everything to everybody. Um, and also, I think do a little more a little sooner. That one's really resonated with me as I've seen people over my working life come in too late, having just always said they didn't have the time, which I think was a great comment you made at the start. They could have done something. They just didn't know what to do. And had you made that decision for them, they probably would have committed to it. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the worst piece of advice um, is, well, I've got a few here. Assuming something doubles every 10 years, I think is super dangerous. Um, yep. And whoever wrote that needs a kick in the jacksie. Um, <laughs> but also do this for me, I'd like do this for yourself because it worked for me. You know, and again, doing things that other people have had success in for a different why with different resources, I think can become very disenfranchising because you may not have stayed in your lane, as I said earlier. You know, oh, these people did this and they've had a great outcome. You know, a, a screaming example of that is massive advocates of Bitcoin all took a massive leap very, very early on. Yeah. I'm yet to meet anybody that's a massive advocate of Bitcoin coming in late to the game going, oh, this is life-changing. <laughs> exactly. You know, so understand where somebody's comments are coming from because they may not be right for you because of the generation you're in, the occupation you're in, and, and your ability to save and use cash flow to do things. Yeah, brilliantly said, mate. Uh, I want to switch into the the habit field for a minute. Uh, so, I, now, what's a, a personal happy habit, or a rewarding ritual, or a daily discipline that you employ that's contributed most to your success today? Um, 
work, work and work and work and work. And, and when I say work, be committed to the longer term outcome. Um, and I find the conversations that I have with more wealthy people, they don't talk about get money now. They talk about get money later. They talk about get wealth later. They talk about things with a medium to longer term time frame. I find people with limited resources worry about getting paid on Friday. And I think that attitude can influence the decisions you make and the way that you approach things. So, you know, I think I was never the kid that had it first. You know, and I, and I had mates that that, that out earned me for, for, you know, a decade or more. Um, but a byproduct of being consistent and being hungry is that you build something over time in a controlled environment and that reduces the fall off, that reduces the crashes, that reduces the damage, the losses. If you just keep chugging along and move forward positively and instill good work behaviours, um, I think you'll always prosper because it's it's always the act of doing something that has a positive connotation on the value of asset at the end. Yeah. Um, I think this generation now, again, love them or hate them, they want it all now and they want it all by Friday. And the environment that they've grown up in has damaged their view of, again, their perception of normal. And it's, I don't think it's in a good way. No. You know, they want instant gratification. They want to run the joint two weeks out of school, which great, no problems. But if you keep grinding away, you'll find, oh, you, you blink and, you know, decades later you, you end up with assets and incomes and, and control over your future because you committed over the longer term, not, not short term. Yeah, one hundred percent agree, mate. Uh, and that that's a subject on its own in terms of motivating people to look on the instant now to delayed gratification. It comes back to that sacrifice versus regret comment that you made earlier. But mate, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, as I say, could could really uh, go on for hours, uh, and and we'll get you back to sort of dive into some of that. But yeah. just to sort of bring it all to a a logical conclusion, what are some of the, the key takeaways for hardworking Aussies that you'd like uh, us to take away from our chat yeah, today? So do something a little sooner. It doesn't have to be big. Don't assume that what your mates are telling you is accurate and, and pay, if you do nothing else, pay for an hour or two of somebody's time. Um, with technology now, where it is, you know, I know for us we've got people all over the world I've got people who watch a YouTube channel, you know, I speak to embassies regularly in countries, half of them I never heard of. Um, but that that reach of material, use it in your, you know, use it to your advantage. Learn, read, listen, repeat, execute, and just start ideas that are small and then give it some time to grow and, and you don't need to race out and buy massive assets. You know, I touched on earlier an approach that my, my mates and I have of collectively doing things so that you've got less commitment and less risk think about doing that you know think about getting together with like-minded friends or or you know business owners or whatever it may be and collectively do something now you need to put the the terms and conditions and the structure around that but that's a great way for people to say well i'm not going to go and buy a million dollar building but i can get five friends and we throw 200 in each you've got far less risk you've got an opportunity to make some money and you've got a good quality asset that's structured correctly. So, you know, think a bit outside the box. Don't just think that you need to go it alone. Um, the other one I'd say is is be realistic. You know, you know, I know that's in the list, but you, you're not going to make, you're not going to double your money overnight. But again, if you understand what you're working with 
than if you took half of what you could save and committed it to something over the longer term. You've still got a buffer there just in case. And yep. that's why I'm always pro offset account because yep. being able to get hold of some cash is great. Yeah. Um, but get things to the point where they're either neutrally geared yep. or you're directing your savings into something that provides other opportunities. Yep. And review why you hold your assets. Having something, as I said earlier, having something just because isn't going to last long in my office because it's not an answer. Um, but get some advice around your structuring. And the one that I think is really underutilised that is becoming more and more of an issue as we have blended families and an older generation that have significant wealth is the estate planning side of stuff. You know, a will is not a simple document and you do not under any circumstances get one from the post office <laughs> you know so I, I think thinking outside of the box and considering the decision you make with the end in mind will help you get really good structural advice around where to hold the asset um and do your research you know nothing hurts me more than when people come in sit down and go so we bought this place on the weekend and we're going to throw it in our super fund <laughs> You know, scary, mate. That's very scary. The the look on their face or the look on my face, you know, they go, oh, um, you, is that not a good thing? Um, don't holes. assume. As I said earlier, don't assume. Look at my example. I thought those photos were real. No, they weren't. You know, so go and look. Go and check out. Do your research. And then you can do things with confidence and then repeat it in a controlled manner. And if people can come at their investment life like that, and take advantage of strategies that become available to them at that stage of their, their journey, you can get yourself in a position where you have a huge asset base and you haven't taken significant risk. But as you said at the start of the show, time has been your friend and you can you can generate an income stream that gives you the peace of mind you want. And if you want to keep working like my dad, because you're a psycho and you love it, great. Yeah. Knock yourself out. But yeah. to choose not to is is also a wonderful position to be in. Yeah, well, just to have the choice to make that decision, mate, that, that is the key for me. It's, it's, yeah. It comes all back to are, are you putting in a position where you have the choices or or yeah. are you not doing something and ending up with no choice? And so, you can't mate, get upset uh, about that as well, right? You can't get upset about not having that choice because indirectly that was your choice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Whether you've made a choice or not made a choice, you're still making a choice. Correct. Absolutely right. Now, look, uh, being brilliant, mate, uh, for those who really resonated with your message, how can we find out more and get more involved with you? Look? Yeah, so uh, 62604749 is the, the the number in the office. That's 02 for Canberra. Uh, we've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the internet. That's Envision with an E. Um, we've got all of our podcasts and all of our radio shows recorded on there, so there's a, a, there's a huge library of information there. We've got the radio show on iTunes and Spotify, the strategy stack that Luke talks money. Um, and we've got the book smart money strategy that dropped uh, on Tuesday this week, which is out in Dimmick's CBD and Harry Hardhog. It's also on Amazon and Booktopia. And there's a Kindle version for those that, that like the, uh, the electronic feel of sliding the page instead of flipping the page. So there's a little <laughs> something there for everybody. Love it, mate. Uh, been a great chat. Uh, I've had a smile on my face the whole conversation. It's, it's it's refreshing to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about, but communicates in a in a message that we can all understand and and actually uh, uh, add a, a add some humour there so that it sticks. So I think, uh, I think I think the fact that you've said that at the end there that that are really for the listeners. It should be a bit of fun, right? It shouldn't be scary. It shouldn't be 
daunting. It should be a chat. I don't wear shoes. Well, I don't wear shoes. I don't wear <laughs> no, just Jordans. <laughs> I, I wear Jordans to work because my wife said, if you don't start wearing these things, I'm throwing them out. So people walk in and they see me in a different pair of trainers and go, are you, are you serious? And that really, for me, was, I, I mentioned earlier, I flew my bike into the tree, plates, screws, and spent six months in a sling. And I was always pro-suit. And for six or eight months while I was in a sling, I said to people regularly, look, I normally have a suit on, but, you know, I've got a T-shirt today. And everybody went, oh, no, that's fantastic. It's far less confronting. You know, you're a big lad. It looks a bit daunting. Um, that's far more welcoming. And we've run with it ever since because I don't want people to be scared to come in and talk about something that, could be difficult for them in an environment that isn't welcoming and, and overall quite simple. Yeah, 100% agree, mate. It, it, it's not the wrapping on the present, it's the contents that, that counts. And oh. if you make that as appealing uh, to as many people as possible, you're more likely to get the message out there, mate. So, I'd, look, uh, really enjoy the chat. Uh, we'll keep the conversation going, but uh, thanks for getting to join thanks. us today, thanks mate. Thanks for having me on there, mate. Talk again soon. Great thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Thanks for getting invested. Now, here's three easy ways you can take action to start making it happen. To ensure you build momentum and start living by design, not default, so that you're following your freedom formula. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and keep the weekly inspiration coming. Secondly, get a copy of my book, Get Invested, for free and find out what it takes for you to invest in living more and working less. Just visit bushymartin.com.au forward slash books or knowhowproperty.com.au or click on the links in the show notes. And thirdly, join me and the Get Invested community. Each month, I send a free and exclusive email full of practical self-health and wealth wisdom that our current Freedom Fighter subscribers can't wait to get. Just visit bushymartin.com.au, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. And there you have it, in three easy steps, you're on your way to dusting off your forgotten dreams and making them a reality. Get Invested is proudly part of the Property Hub, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. When you subscribe to the show, you get all of your Get Invested episodes, along with Realty Talk, Australia's longest running and leading online property show for red hot property investing news and insights direct from all of the industry leaders and influencers. And finally, Feel free to connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, as I'd love to hear your feedback, your inspiration, your ideas, and your questions and queries anytime. Thanks for listening. Hear you next week. And as always, dream as if you'll live forever and live as if the day's your last. Listener.